Amen. All right, all right. we're there in First First uh, Samuel chapter number 1. I want you to keep your place there, but go with me to the book of Second Samuel chapter number 18. Just real quickly, Second Samuel chapter number 18. <clears throat> and uh, tonight we're beginning a, a brand new series on Sunday night entitled The Heart of the Matter. I'll be honest with you, I'm not really sure how long we're going to be in this series for. At least three or four weeks, but maybe a little longer. Uh, but we're, we're dealing with the issue of the heart and what the Bible teaches about your heart and how to keep your heart and how to prepare your heart. We'll be looking at a lot of different things. Uh, but I, I want to start off with uh, just kind of explaining to you a uh, little bit, just laying an introduction to this idea of your heart. And, uh, and let me start with this. You know, usually when we think of a heart, we, we think of the organ inside of your body. Right, that pumps blood through your through your through your body, and and the Bible uses the word heart in that term. In fact, I just want to show you one verse, Second Samuel eighteen and verse fourteen. If you remember when Absalom died, the Bible says, "Then said Joab, I may not tar- I may not tarry thus with thee." And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. Now, when the Bible says here that Joab thrust through the darts, through the, through the heart of Absalom. He's talking about the organ in his body. He's talking about the muscle that, that uh, you know, pushes blood through, through the, the body. So I want you to understand that the Bible does refer to the heart in that matter. But you will find, if you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 1, you will find that throughout the, throughout the Bible, uh, more often than not, in fact, uh, the vast majority of times that the word heart is mentioned in the Bible, it's not talking about the muscle in your chest, all right? Now, sometimes it is. If someone's being uh, thrust through in the heart, that's probably the reference there. But often, and more often than not, through Scripture, it's not referring to your muscle that we refer to as a heart, but it's referring uh, to something else. So I want to kind of begin with this idea of defining your heart, looking at the biblical definition of your heart and what the Bible refers to when it says uh, your heart. If you're there in 1 Samuel 1, I'm not preaching about Hannah tonight. Uh, we're not doing a, 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 you know, a Bible study or expository type sermon going through a passage where it's a topical series on the subject of the heart. So we're going to be looking at a lot of different places. I'm not going to even develop the story of Hannah, except for the fact that you know that Hannah, and we read the, the chapter in this context, uh, has a sorrowful heart because of the fact that she cannot have a child. And I want you to notice in verse 8, 1 Samuel 1 and verse 8, the Bible says this, Then said Elkanah, that's her husband, uh, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? And what I want you to notice, and if you'd like to jot down some notes, I'd like you to write these statements down. We're talking about the definition of your heart or the de- defining this idea of your heart. And here's what you need to understand. Your heart is where you feel emotion. Your heart is where you have your feelings. Here we read about Hannah, and it says that her heart was grieved. In fact, if you just turn over to chapter 2 and verse 1, at the end of chapter 1, she ends up having children, and God blesses her in that way. And in 1 Samuel 2 and verse 1, the Bible says this, And Hannah prayed and said, notice what she says, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. 
Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. So here in, in, in chapter 1 we're told, you know, why is thy heart grieved? In chapter 2 we're told, my heart rejoices in the Lord. So again, I want you to notice, this is where she has emotion. And in your, when we talk about the heart, as we'll spend the next several weeks referring to the heart, we're talking about your emotions. So when you feel something, when you feel grieved, when you feel upset, when you feel sad, or when you feel overjoyed or happy, this is all taking place in what the Bible refers to as the heart. But the heart is not only a place of emotion, it's also a place of logic. The Bible tells us the heart is not only where you feel emotion, but the heart is also where you process thoughts. Are you there in 1 Samuel 1? Look at verse 13. Remember when Hannah was praying? Notice what the Bible says. Now Hannah, she spake, notice, she spake, in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought that she had been drunken. So here we have this woman at the altar. She's praying. Her lips are moving, but nothing's coming out of her mouth. And the Bible tells us she's praying in her heart. She's, she's communicating and speaking, but it's not outwardly. It's inward. And we see here that this is where we process thoughts, and this is how we communicate even with God. Keep your place there in 1 Samuel, uh, but go with me to the book of 1 Kings. You're going to go past 1 Samuel, past 2 Samuel, into the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 3, and look at verse 9. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 9. Remember the story of Solomon. God came to Solomon, and he basically told him, you can ask whatever you'd like, whatever petition you want, I'll, I'll do it for you. And of course, Solomon made that famous request, 1 Kings chapter 3, notice verse 9, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, notice what he says. He says, give therefore thy servant, notice what he said, an understanding heart, an understanding heart, to do what? To judge thy people, that I may discern, you see the word discern there? That's talking about being able to, to, to carry judgment. It's talking about being able to look at a situation and be able to think about it and be able to see, you know, who's lying here, who's telling the truth, what's the right thing to do, what's the wrong thing to do. He says that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge this thy so great a people. So fa- the famous request made by Solomon was that God would give him an understanding heart, a discerning heart. So I want you to understand, according to the Bible, not only is a heart where we feel emotion, where we are grieved or rejoice, but the heart is also where we process thoughts, where we logic, where we think through things and make sense out of it and, and discern it. Go back to 1 Samuel 24. Let me give you one more uh, kind of characteristic or defining this idea of your heart. Not only is your heart where we feel emotion, not only is your heart where we process thoughts, but your heart is where your sense of conscience is. And this is kind of a spiritual thing. Because it's God that gives you a conscience. The reason we have a conscience is because of God. And it's spiritual because not only is it God who gives you the conscience, but it's usually the Holy Spirit working alongside with your conscience that bring, that does a work to reprove us and to rebuke us. 1 Samuel 24, look at verse 5. Remember the story of David? David cut the skirt of, of, of Saul. He had an opportunity to kill him. He chose not to kill him, but he still cut off a piece of his garment. 1 Samuel 24, verse 5. And it came to pass afterward that David, notice that David's heart smote him. You ever done something and immediately afterwards your heart smote you? And your heart kind of, ah, oh, why did I do that? 
why did I say that? Or why did I take that step? Well, that happens in your heart because your heart is where you sense your conscience. It's, it's a spiritual connection uh, with, with God. Keep your place there in 1 Samuel 24. Uh, go with me to the book of Acts. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. And this can be both your personal conscience or it can be a spiritual thing. The Holy Spirit using, uh, you know, uh, the, the bring, bringing uh, the, the reproof upon your, your life. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Let's just look at it real quick. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Acts 2.37. Now when they heard this, of course we have Peter preaching to the Jews about uh, the fact that they crucified Christ and the resurrection. Notice what the Bible says. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said, one, and, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So again, they were pricked in their heart. That's what you feel, Lord willing. Every once in a while, if not every time you come to church, I hope at least every once in a while, you come to church and you hear the Word of God preached. And it's not my words, but it is the Holy Spirit that pricks you in your heart and and hopefully tells you, hey, yeah, you need to develop a devotional time. You need to go out soul winning or you need to pray or whatever it is that you need to do. That conscience is found in your heart and it is the Holy Spirit that pricks the heart. Go to Acts chapter 5. Look at verse 33. Acts chapter 5 and verse 33. Notice what the Bible says. Acts 5.33. You're just either in Acts 2, just a couple chapters over. Acts 5.33. When they heard that, notice, these people don't take it well. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. And again, they were cut to the heart. Sometimes people come to a church like this and they're cut to the heart. They're pricked in the heart and they respond well their response is that of change and transformation sometimes they're cut to the heart and they get mad and leave they get angry and they get upset they want to slay uh you know at least in their minds and in their hearts they they want to do that um i want to say this also go go with me to the book of let's see where i want you to go now go go back to first kings first kings chapter eight but let me say this your heart is where you feel emotion. Your heart is where you think your thoughts and your logic. Your heart is where your conscience is and where that, you know, bell comes in, where this isn't right and this is right and this is good and, 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 this, is, and this is not. And by the way, your conscience is an interworking of your emotions and your logic. See, if it, it, your conscience is the emotions and the logic working together. Your conscience uses your logic to discern and say, this isn't right, that's not good, and then uses your emotion to make you feel bad about it, to cut you, to prick you. And this all happens in your heart. And by the way, it's a spiritual thing. It's in your heart where you believe, is it not? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What we believe is often found and fixed in our heart. And throughout the Bible, you'll, use, you'll see these terms used interchangeably, mind, soul, spirit, heart. But I want you to understand, when we're talking about the heart, we're talking about the place where you logic. We're talking about the place where you feel. We're talking about the place where your conscience is. We're talking about the place where God works either with your mind and your conscience or the Holy Spirit. And that's kind of the definition of your heart. But I want to say this tonight also. Not only do we, I, we want to define your heart, but number two, I want to explain to you the dangers of your heart. The dangers of your heart. If you're there in 1 Kings chapter 8, I want you to notice... Verse number 38. Now, before we read verse 38, let me say this. Tonight, I want to give you a spiritual diagnosis. All right? 
you spiritually have heart disease. You spiritually have a disease in your heart. And there's a sickness in your heart. Are you there in 1 Kings chapter 8? Look at verse 38. Notice what what, uh, Solomon said when it comes to getting right with the Lord and that the children of Israel would get right with God from their sin. He said in 1 Kings 8.38, he said, What prayer and supplication soever be made by any man or by all thy people Israel which shall know. Notice, he's talking about people coming back to God, trying to get right with God, making prayer and confessing before God. And he says, Which shall know Every man. You got to underline this in your Bible. Notice these words. The plague of his own heart. What's a plague? It's a sickness. It's a disease. He says, hey, when people realize that they've got a, a spiritual heart disease, they've got a spiritual heart problem, they will come back and get right with God when they realize when, uh, he says, shall know every man the plague of his own heart and spread forth his hands Toward the house. He's talking about praying towards the house of God. Because why? Because there's a plague in his heart. And, and you need to understand these things. You're there in 1 Kings. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 11. We're going to look at a lot of passages tonight. But I, I kind of want to lay this foundation and help you understand what we're learning and why we're learning it. Deuteronomy chapter number 11. And look at verse number 16. Deuteronomy chapter number 11 and verse 16. Deuteronomy eleven sixteen. 16. Got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I want you to understand... Your diagnosis tonight, spiritually, you've got heart disease. Spiritually, you've got a plague in your heart. And as a result, you need to be very careful about your heart. And there's, there's, two, there's two side effects to your heart disease. There's two side effects to the plague that is in your heart. Here, here they go, all right? Write these down. You need to understand this. These are the side effects. Your heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart is deceitful above all things. Here's what that means. It cannot be trusted. You cannot trust your heart. Are you there in Deuteronomy 11? Look at verse 16. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 11. Look at verse 16. Notice what the Bible says. Take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself. That means pay attention. Make sure you pay attention to this. Notice what he says. That your heart... Be not deceived. Why, why does he say you need to pay attention and make sure that your heart be not deceived? Here's why you got to take heed to that. Because your heart has a tendency of being deceived. That your heart be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. He said your heart leans towards being deceived. You ever met someone who wants to be lied to? Look in the mirror, it's you. You ever met someone, you, you know, and, and you go and, they, and they, they act like they want the truth, but really they don't want to know the truth. They kind of just want to be lied to and they'd rather not know all the facts. That way they can go ahead and make that decision and not feel guilty about it, not feel bad about it, not have to deal with the uh, conscience and the logic and the emotions and the spirit that's attached to their heart. But you know, your, your heart and my heart is inclined to be lied to. It's inclined. It's, it's, it's interesting to me as a pastor, as I watch people and we preach the word, and people always have, they're always the exception. I mean, I wish you could sit with me in the office, or I wish you could stand with me at the door after, you know, you know I'll preach sermons, and people always want to explain to me, oh, that is so true, except for, I'm the exception, my, you know, my situation a little different, but everyone's situation is different. Everyone has the exception, and here's what I've learned, your heart leans towards being deceived. Your heart is deceitful above all things. Go to Job 31. Job 31. 
If you, if you start in the center of the Bible, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms, and you can go one book back from, from Psalms into the book of Job. And I want you to keep your place in Job. And I, I should have told you this, and I'm sorry I didn't. I wanted you to keep your place in Deuteronomy also. So if you want to find that quickly, you should have your place and be in two places, Deuteronomy and Job. Job 31. Not only can your heart be deceived by yourself, you can deceive your own heart. We'll see that here in a minute. But your heart can also be deceived by others. Notice what Job said, Job 31 and verse 9. Now, this did not happen to Job, but Job is saying, if this would have happened. Notice what he said. He says, if mine heart, if mine heart have been deceived by a woman, or if I have laid wait at my neighbor's door. And he's talking about committing adultery here. And he says, if, he's not saying his heart was deceived, but he's being accused of these things. And he says, look, if mine heart had been deceived by a woman, go down to verse 27, Job 31. Verse 27, notice what he says. He says, and my heart, and my heart have been secretly enticed, tempted, drawn away, or my mouth hath kissed my hand. And, and here's, what, here's what I want you to understand. Your heart has a tendency for deceit. It wants to be lied to. And oftentimes it wants to find people that will lie to it, that will deceive it, that will entice it. That will bring it along. You're there in Job. Go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 44. You're there in Job. You got Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. Isaiah 44. Look at verse 20. Isaiah 44 verse 20. Some of you have walked into a car lot. And you knew you couldn't afford that car. You knew that wasn't the right car for you. You knew that you needed something cheaper and something bigger and something more reliable. But there was a salesman there willing to lie to you and you were willing to receive it. We had a bubble burst in the housing market several years ago. And there was a whole lot of people who bought houses that they knew they couldn't afford. They knew they had no place living in that neighborhood. They knew their jobs could not afford. But there was a real estate agent there. There was a lender there willing to say, oh, we can make this work and we can, add, we can crunch the numbers this way, we can do it this way. And here's the thing, I'm not mad at the real estate agent, they're just doing their job. But there's people there who want to be lied to, want to be deceived. There's some wives that say, well, my, you know, I didn't know this is what I was getting into when we got married. There's some husbands that say, well, I, I just didn't know. But all the warning signs were there. But we want to be lied to. We want people to lie to us. We want people to not tell us the truth because we don't want to have to logic and think and discern through. It's just we want to do what our heart wants to do. But your heart, here's the problem with your heart disease. Your heart likes, your heart likes to be lied to. That's why a church like this is not very popular. You know why? People don't like this church because they want to be lied to. They don't like churches where the Bible is preached. They want, they want someone, they, they come, the Bible says, with itching ears. Just wanting to hear fables. Isaiah 44, look at verse 20. Isaiah 44, verse 20. He feedeth on ashes. He feedeth on ashes. A deceived heart hath turned him aside, that he cannot deliver his soul, nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? Go to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. You're there in Isaiah, just one book over. Jeremiah 17, look at verse 9. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. This is the... This is the 
key verse when it comes to your heart in the Bible. This is, if there's one verse you need to know about your heart, you need to know about your mind, your logic, your emotions, the way you th- see things, the way you feel about things, the way you respond to things, it is Jeremiah 17, verse 9. You got to underline in your Bible, you got to highlight in your Bible, you got to put a sticky note there, you got to be able to get to it quickly. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. That's your heart disease. I'm diagnosing you tonight. I, I got the note from the great physician. The note's right here, Jeremiah 17, 9. He's, he's diagnosing you with heart disease. What, 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 what are, what, what are the, the symptoms of heart disease? Here's the first symptom. That your heart is deceitful above all things. But there's another symptom. You're there in Jeremiah 17, 9. Look what it says. Not only does it say the heart is deceitful above all things. Here's symptom number two. And... And desperately wicked. And desperately wicked. Who can know it? Here's what he's saying. You can't know it. I can't know it. Your heart wants to be deceived, and your heart is desperately wicked. Let's run some verses. Go to Deuteronomy 15. Deuteronomy 15, verse 9. By the way, this is why we're going to take the time to study the heart over several weeks. Why? Because your heart deceives you. And because your heart is desperately wicked. And, and you say, well, why does it matter if my heart? Well, it matters because your heart is connected to your logic. Your heart is connected to your thoughts. Your heart is connected to the way you see things, the way you perceive things, the way you discern things. It's all connected. Your heart is connected to how you feel. Your heart is connected to your emotions. Your heart is connected to your feelings. Your heart is connected to how the Holy Spirit speaks to you. It's all in your heart. Deuteronomy 15, look at verse 9. Beware that there be not a thought. Notice what he says. Beware that there, na- that there be not a thought. Notice what he says. I just want you to notice what he says about the heart. In thy wicked heart. He just assumes that whoever is reading this has a wicked heart. Why? Because we've all got heart disease. Because we all have a heart that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And no one can know it. Go to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. I know we're looking at a lot of verses tonight, but I don't think that'll hurt you. Genesis chapter 6. Look at verse 5. First book in the Bible. It should be fairly easy to find. Genesis chapter 6. You know, you know that God one day sent a flood and had to destroy the entire world and all of mankind except for one man and his family? So why did God do that? Because they had a real bad case of heart disease. Genesis 6, look at verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination, notice, of the thoughts, that's what you think, of his heart was only evil continually. By the way, this is why Jesus said, you don't have to go there, but Jesus said this, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, theft, false witness, blasphemies. Here's why. You need to understand There is a danger to your heart. There is a disease in your heart. And it's the fact that it's desperately wicked. And it's the fact that it's deceitful above all things. And it is the fact that you cannot know. So with all that said, with all that understood, go to Numbers chapter 15. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter 15. We talked about the definition of your heart. And we talked about the danger of your heart. But let's talk for a second about the direction of your heart. See, your heart wants to guide you in a certain direction. You ever heard somebody say this? Just follow your heart. 
I'm trying, to, I'm trying to figure out whether I should do this or whether I should do that. I'm trying to figure out what school to go to. I'm trying to figure out what job to take. I'm trying to figure out, you know, in this situation or that situation. And people often in our world today, they'll say, well, just follow your heart. What does your heart say? Here's what they're saying. Let your heart guide you. But here's the problem with letting your heart guide you is that your heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. Is that it's going to direct you in the wrong way. It's it's going to lead you down the wrong path. Because you've got to understand, look, you've got to understand that you are living with a disease. A spiritual disease of the heart. And when when you get diagnosed with heart disease physically, and hopefully you never get diagnosed with heart disease physically, but you know what that means is you've got to be real careful about what you eat and how you work and how much rest you get and the things you do with your life. And let me tell you something, you need to be very careful about how you live your Christian life because you've got a heart problem. Sorry to tell you that. Numbers 15, look at verse 39. We all want to follow our heart. We all just want to do what just feels right. It just seems right. I I just believe it's the right thing. The Bible says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Number 15, Numbers 15, verse 39, and it, and it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it, and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and do them. And that, notice what he says, ye seek not. He's saying, you don't, don't do this, you don't want to do this. And that ye seek not after your own heart, and your own eyes after which you used to go a-whoring. He said, don't, don't seek after your own heart. Well, well, you know, Sesame Street told me follow my heart. I, I know that's what they told you growing up. Well, I remember there was a big purple dinosaur named Barney, and he said, just follow your heart. And I went to public school, and the public school teacher told me to follow my heart, and, I, and Dr. Phil said follow your heart, and Oprah Winfrey said follow your heart. But I'm here to tell you, the Word of God says don't follow your heart. He says, hey, ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes. He said, don't follow your heart. You say, why? Because your heart is deceitful and wicked. Go to Proverbs 18. Look at verse 2. Proverbs 18. If you kept your place in Job, you got Job, Psalms, Proverbs. Proverbs 18. See, you know what we all want to do? We want to follow our hearts. We want to do what our heart wants to tell us to do. Proverbs 18. Look at verse 2. Proverbs 18, verse 2. Proverbs 18 and verse 2, the Bible says this, A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. You know what a fool does? He spends all his life trying to fulfill the lusts and desires of his own heart. Trying to discover his heart. What does my heart want to do? Where does my heart want to lead me? And listen to me. You say, well, Pastor, why are you preaching this? And this is kind of an introduction to this series. You say, why are you preaching this? And here's why I'm preaching this. Because here's what you need to understand. When it comes to the direction of your heart, you must learn to align your heart. You must learn to align your heart to the Word of God. Because the only thing that doesn't lie to you is the Bible. Your heart lies. Your heart deceives. And you must align yourself to the Word of God. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Look at verse 12. I know we're looking at a lot of passages, but I just want you to look at it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. If you start at the book of Revelation and head backwards, you got Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, and 1st Peter, James, and Hebrews. Hebrews 4, 12. Famous verse about the Word of God. Hebrews 4, 12. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. I want you to notice what the Bible says. 
For the word of God, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the uh, dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is, don't miss this, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the what? Heart. You know the Bible will discern your thoughts and your intents? And here's what's funny about it. It'll discern your thoughts and intents better than you can. Because while your heart's lying to you, because while your heart's leading you astray, the Word of God comes in and just cuts through all of that, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And here's what Jesus said. You cannot hide from God your thoughts and intents. That's why the next verse says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto him with whom we have to do. He knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows what you think. He knows that your heart is deceived. And the Bible says that it is the word of God that discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. So you say, well, how do I direct my heart? Here's how you direct your heart. You take what your heart, you take what your heart wants to do, and then you look at what the Bible says you ought to do. And when you look at what the Bible says, and you say, well, I don't feel like doing what the Bible says. Or I don't see the point of what the Bible says. In my mind, the logic looks different. In my heart, I feel different. The emotions are leading me a different way. You've got to go with what the Bible says. Here's why. Because your heart will deceive you. Amen. Lie to you. And you'll think, you'll think, well, this is the right thing. And it's like, uh, no, that's not what the Bible says. But Oprah said, I know that's what Oprah said. But Dr. Phil said, I know that's what Dr. Phil said. But look at what the Word of God said. Let me give you some examples, just some practical examples, just for you to understand. Go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter number 7. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Romans chapter 7. This is probably the number one, my wife was uh, the number one, you know, example that I get this in. My wife was actually just talking to someone, I think this last week, who said, who said to her, well, don't I deserve to be happy? My heart is just telling me. You know, and here's what I want you to understand. When your heart is telling you to get a divorce, when your heart is telling you to get a divorce because you can do better, right? You know what your heart tells you? Well, I can do better than this. You know what's funny about that? If you could have done better, you would have done better. You, you didn't do better. You did that. You made a vow. You stood before God. You say, well, I deserve better. Don't I deserve to be happy? I, I missed that one in the Bible. Where does the Bible say you deserve to be happy? Because I didn't, I didn't see that one. Thou shalt be happy. I don't think God ever guaranteed happiness. Now, you can be happy in the, in the, in the Lord. You can be, the, the, the Bible says, the, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You can learn to be content in whatsoever state you are. But God never guaranteed you happiness. You might have the Bible confused with the, with the you know, Declaration of Independence. You know, God, God never said, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, and, and, and you don't have a right to happiness. But people will say, well, don't I? And just, I mean, just this week, just this week, my wife was talking to someone, well, don't I deserve to be happy? Uh, no. <laughs> don't, don't I deserve to be loved? God loves you. <laughs> well, well, my heart is telling me. Your heart will lie to you. Your heart will lie to you. See, here's, here's what happens. You got a little girlfriend, you got a little boyfriend, you got some guy at work, some lady at work saying, well, I can't believe your husband would do that. 
And of course, you listen because your heart's looking for anybody to lie to it. Well, I don't think, you know, you, you can do, girlfriend, you can do better than that. Maybe, maybe 20 years ago, but I, I don't know about now. Yeah, and, 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 and you want to be lied to, and you, you want to be told, you know, well, you can do better, and you deserve better, and you need this, and you need that. And you say, my heart is leading that way. My heart tells me that way. I look at it logically, and it makes sense. Listen to me. Your heart is lying to you. You say, well, what do I do? You line up. You line up. What does the Bible say? You say, well, I feel different. It doesn't matter. Well, I think that it doesn't matter. Well, it looks, it doesn't matter. Here's what the Bible says, Romans 7. Are you there in the first one? Notice what he says. No, you're not, brethren. For I speak to them that know the law, how that the law had dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Look at verse 2. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law. So that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. We have, we have a, a couple, and I'm not trying to pick on you guys. We got a couple of couples getting married here soon. And I make couples, when they want me to do the wedding, I make them go through uh, premarital counseling where I go through. And I've told them, you can ask them. I said, we, we are doing this to, not for you, but for me. Not for your conscience, but to soothe my conscience. I, you can ask him. I, I've told him, we're doing this so that a year or two years from now, when you're sitting in this office and you're telling me my husband did and my wife did, and can you believe, and can you, at least I can say, well, do you remember when we talked about? And in case I didn't make it clear to you young couples, the reason that you make a vow that says till death do us part, because it's till death do us part. Because it's a lifelong commitment. Because you commit, you know, well, well, uh, I didn't know it was going to be that bad. Oh, that's why we also say, for better or for worse. For richer and poorer. As long as you both shall live. You say, why? Because that's what the Bible says. That's why we take those vows. And God said, and you say, well, my heart is leading me a different way. Hey, listen to me. When your heart is leading you a different way, and the Bible says one thing, you follow what the Bible says. You go with what the Word of God says. Why? Because your heart will lie to you. It's not your fault. It's just you got a heart sickness. It's a disease. If you need to say it that way to make you feel better, that's fine. But you've got a heart that will lie. You've got a heart that is wicked above all things. How about when your heart tells you to get revenge? You're there in Romans 7? Go to Romans 12. How about when someone wrongs you and does you wrong? Someone hurts you and your heart says, I'm not going to let them get away with that. I'm not going to let them, you know, I'm going to avenge myself. I'm going to get revenge. But the Bible says, what the Bible says, Romans 12 and verse 9, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You know, when Jesus said, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them, which is pitifully used you and persecute you. When that's what Jesus said, and you say, well, my heart says revenge, and God says, let me avenge it. You've got to decide. You've got to decide. Where, how do you align your heart? Because here's the problem. Here's the problem. Your heart will lie to you. Your heart will deceive you. Your heart will take facts and look at them odd. Say, well, I'm looking at this logically. And it's like, no, you're being lied to. It's, deal, it's, it's, it's messing with your emotions. 
How about when your heart tells you to hold a grudge? How about when your heart tells you to be resentful? Go, go to Proverbs. Proverbs, if you start in the center, you've got Psalms. Right after Psalms, you've got Proverbs. What about when your heart tells you, you know, just hold on to that grudge and grow bitter and grow angry and don't let it go and don't let her forget it and don't let him forget it. And you say, well, just in my mind it says this isn't right. In my mind it says this shouldn't be this way. My husband shouldn't do that. And my wife shouldn't do that. And my children shouldn't do that. Or that church member ought not do that. Or that neighbor or that friend or that coworker, or whatever it may be. And God says, but be ye kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So I don't want to forgive. I don't want to let it go. You've got to decide, how do you calibrate your heart? Because unfortunately, you've got to think through many decisions. You've got to discern through many things in life. You've got to make a lot of choices. And sometimes, even as a pastor, sometimes my heart so wants to do X, Y, and Z. And I look at the Bible and I say, well, that's not what, that's not what God said. But I, I feel like this is right. It, it looks right. I mean, I, I'm looking at all the facts and I'm thinking about it logically. And it just seems like this is what, what is the right thing. But God says this. I'll submit to you tonight. That you would be wise to follow what the Bible says. Because here's what will probably happen. Down the road, you'll say, man, I, I was just thinking about that wrong. Turns out I didn't have all the facts. Turns out it would have been better if I would have just done it the way God said. Because you've got a heart disease. Your heart is wicked above all things. Your heart is deceitful above all things. Even you can't know it. He said, who can know it? Well, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharp and to your side. The, The word of God can discern the thoughts and intents of your heart because you can't. And I can't. So we must rely on the word of God. Let me give you one, one more verse and we'll, we'll be done tonight. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Keep. See that word keep there? The word keep means to protect, to preserve, to watch over and guard over. To watch Diligently, vigilantly, notice what he says, keep thy heart. I want you to notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say keep your wife's heart or your husband's heart or the pastor's heart. He says keep thy heart. Keep thy heart. Why? No, well, first, before we say why, let's, let's answer how. With all diligence. It's going to take work. It's going to take a lot of work. Keep thy heart. With all diligence. Why? For out of it are the issues of life. Any of you got issues? I know you do. (laughs) Whether you want to admit it or not. Thank you. I see that hand. (laughs) We got issues. I got issues. You got issues. There are things in my past and in your past that we wish we could undo. Is that untrue? That we wish we could go back and, and make that decision again. That, that we regret. That we feel bad about. That, that we wish we could just erase from our past. But here's why. You probably have those issues because you were following your heart. And it lied to you. 
and it tricked you and it deceived you into doing something wicked. So here's what God says. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And I want to encourage you over the next several weeks to be here on Sunday nights as we study this idea of the heart. We're going to be talking about a hard heart. We're going to be talking about a lifted up heart and pride. We're going to be talking about a bitter heart. We're going to be talking about preparing your heart and an upright heart and a pure heart. We're going to be, talk, we're going to be teaching you over the next several weeks how to properly keep your heart. You say, why? Because it will minimize all the issues of life. Because it will keep you from making mistakes and having regrets. So here's a question I have for you. What's in your heart? What's in your heart? I don't know what's in my heart. Well, then answer this question. What do you talk about? Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The things you talk about proceed from your heart. What's on your heart? And can you or do you align what's in your heart to the Word of God? The Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that you would please help us to learn. Lord, help us to see the value in learning about how to keep our own hearts. Lord, we, we all make mistakes. We all sin as a result of following our hearts. And emotionally it feels right. Logically it feels right. And we think it's what God would have us to do. But Lord, help us to learn to keep our hearts, to guard them and protect them. Help us over the next several weeks to learn to look at what, what, what are we dealing with here and how do we deal with it and, and what are the symptoms because we all unfortunately suffer of spiritual heart disease. Lord, I pray you'd help us to learn and to see the priority in it, Lord, that we might guard our hearts and that we might present our hearts, Lord, to you. That we might serve you with all our heart. In your precious name I pray. Amen.